Hoot 7 proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle, featuring your host, the writer, Chris Pike, and the scoring machine, Sean Reddish. Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. We're here in amidst the coronavirus still, but I get the feeling, I don't know if you feel the same, Sean, that we're coming out the other end of it now. So there's some light at the end of the tunnel. And we thought we would join you here for another show, another full episode. We've got a very special guest who will join us shortly, but plenty of news in the NBL world, in the basketball world for us to chat about as well. So we thought we'd, I'm Chris Pike, the co-host, but the man I'm sure you're all very happy to hear has joined me once again, Sean Redditch, the scoring machine. How do I find you at the moment? Oh, look, Pikey, I'm, I'm at home just enjoying some self-isolation. <laughs> It's uh, it's been uh, you know the days just tend to blend in. I'm not even sure what day it is <laughs> today, but uh, I'm just glad to be talking some basketball because there's not a lot to be watching or playing at the moment. There's not. Now we're going to speak to a very special guest shortly, Ricky Grace. You just missed out on playing alongside him, but you came to the Wildcats on the back of of his amazing playing career, and you ended up equaling him on on club MVP awards at the Wildcats. Um, what was it like following on from the legend of, of Ricky Grace? And what, what are you looking forward to chatting to him about on, on this week's show? Yeah, I mean, Ricky Grace, obviously the greatest Wildcat. I think uh, that's that's ever put on the, the Wildcat jersey and, and just, you know, what he was able to accomplish throughout his career. It, uh, you know, an interesting fact there, my first game, first time I saw the Wildcats uh, in person was uh, Ricky Grace's testimonial game. That's so right. he was playing this testimonial game there at Challenge Stadium before the Wildcats, uh, we played a, a preseason game. So it was, uh, you know, that was kind of my first uh, time seeing Ricky Grace in person and, and play, obviously, the end of his career. But, uh, you know, he did some incredible things and, and really – was the one that kind of started, I think, the the winning tradition that the Wildcats have. Obviously, there's a lot of people that have gone into that. But, you know, when Wildcats hadn't won anything until Ricky Grace arrived on the, the shores here at Perth. So, he, uh, you know, I think he has to be credited with a lot of some su- the success that the Wildcats had over the years. Yeah, for sure. Really looking forward to having a chat to him shortly. But before we get to that, plenty happening in terms of news around the NBL heading towards next season. So the league has decided to announce a, a pretty significant pay cut right across the league, which the league has agreed with, with the Players Association. So basically, for every player who had agreed to terms for next season who was going to be making between eighty dollars and $100,000, they will now take a 27.5% pay cut. And any player earning over $200,000 is a 50% pay cut so i mean it's it's pretty pretty significant pay cut and it's likely going to mean that some players are going to just be forced to look elsewhere for at least 12 months and obviously bryce cotton has been in that discussion already so has casper Ware. you have a look at some of the bigger bigger earners across the league sean long mellow trimble um you know scott machado all of these type of players lamar patterson are probably going to have to now reconsider playing in the nbl or if they see out their contracts and if you're looking to sign here to play next season, maybe you do reconsider that for the short term as well. First of all, Sean, given the season's so far away still, were you surprised that this arrangement was agreed upon by the players already? And what was your reaction to it? Yeah, well, there hasn't been, I guess, we don't know all the ins and outs of it. So on the outset of it, I was surprised. Mm. You know, the fact that we're still sitting here in April um, you know, usually the guys are going off on, on their holidays at the moment and not even really worried about next season. Obviously clubs are, are signing players and, and probably that's been the biggest reason why they want to kind of get this out there and settle, you know, what the salary cap's going to be. But we haven't really heard what a salary cap. We've just heard of what the existing players, um, have agreed to. But I, I am surprised that the, the players have agreed to this so far. I mean, you look at the cases in Australia, I think two days ago, we might've been sitting around 21. Uh, 
you know, I, I think last I heard today, I mean, we're talking on Wednesday afternoon here, four cases in the yeah. last 24 hours in the entire country. Yeah. So you got to like where Australia is tracking um, with the coronavirus. And we know New Zealand's doing some pretty incredible uh, mm. things over there as well. So I think, you know, the two places you want to be in the world might be Australia and New Zealand yeah. at the moment. So to be able to take that significant a pay cut this early, I know there's there sounded like there were some things in the agreement that if, if, if payment or the income from the teams was a certain amount that they would get a certain amount back. But I kind of find that's going to be hard to get that, that money back. I would have liked to see let's the way the league was going and almost, I guess, similar to what some of the other codes have had to do is say, Hey, if we're not able to have fans in the games, then yes, this will, what we will agree to, Mm -hmm. but let's go on the facts that, Hopefully, we're going to be able to continue as is, and let's keep the talent here in uh, in Australia and in New Zealand. I mean, you look at you know, obviously Bryce Cotton's going to take a fifty percent pay cut. Will he explore? It sounds like he's going to explore other options. We talked about before we we started recording here. We could almost lose the top ten players in the competition mm. from this year to next year, and let and not and we haven't even talked about the next stars program as yep. well, which that might be on the outs. So it's a uh, it, it's a shame that uh, you know I think this is going to affect every every league around the world. So you don't know, um, but we just don't know to what degree, and and so I guess to be able to take those significant pay cuts is um, I guess it's it's hard to hard to take. The other thing is that we're now down from three imports per team to two and also from 11 rostered players down to 10. So I guess that means we'll have the same amount of local players but one less less import in general. But that's that feels disappointing because the I feel like the quality on the court of the league over the last you know 18 months has been as good as it's been in, in 20 years and it feels disappointing that we've decided to take a step back which is what you would naturally think would happen if we have less less caliber of players out on the court yeah i would have thought look if they were going to go to two imports i would have thought maybe that is kind of one of the big cost savings that you could get instantly i mean most of those clubs are going to be saving themselves 100 150 grand just by having that so that's that you know that that money is in your pocket um straight away and then, but then to have every other player t- take those significant pay cuts as well is a, um, a, it's a hard one. And, you know, just the way the, I mean, we've seen over the last couple of years, the talent in the league, and, and we say that every year that, that, you know, it's getting better and better. But if you look back four or five years ago to where we are today and the caliber of players that we're getting, I mean, we've got Bogut back from, from the NBA. We've got Bryce Cotton staying out here three, four years. I mean, some of these guys are legitimately NBA players that are playing over here in the NBL, and it's uh, it's been fun to watch. So I just hope that we can, can uh, keep a lot of those guys and, and keep the league growing in, in the way that it has been over the last few years. The other thing is that it's now, it now looks like the G League is a genuine, I guess, competitor to the NBL in terms of the Next Stars program that G League's throwing throwing big money about the future NBA stars and, and attracting them to play a year in the G League rather than spending their year in college before they end up getting drafted. And I guess now that the NBL has less money to offer someone like a Lamelo Ball or an RJ Hampton, do you feel like the what the G League's doing is going to really hurt the NBL and the potential of what the Next Stars program was, was showing? Yeah, I do think you're not going to get the caliber of players. You're not going to get a LaMelo Ball and RJ Hampton who are going to be top 10 picks because they can go to that G League and, I mean, they're talking 500,000 U.S. So, I mean, that's another thing we didn't talk about in the previous thing was just the Aussie dollar to the U.S. dollars Mm. dropped down to almost 60 cents. So, you you take a 50% pay cut, then you top you know, add in the U.S. to Australian dollars, and it's going to be harder to get, you know, those quality players from the U.S. to come over here um, with, with the with the lower salary. So, I mean, you talk about 500 grand. I think you're going to get a lot of guys in, in high school over in the U.S. who so would prefer to probably stay there. But we'll see what that um, entails over the next, I guess, couple of years, especially next year, and see how some of those guys that have, have decided to go that route. But you know, I think it, their their preference is to stay in the U.S. Probably 
NBL has to take a lot of credit for what the NBA is doing and the reason why they're throwing so much money at it. I mean, we saw that for a long time. They weren't interested in getting high schoolers straight straight away, but they're seeing how powerful it can be. You know, I'd be uh, pretty nervous if I, if I was in uh, the NCAA and the college basketball system yeah. over there with uh, something. But, you know, I still think you're going to, you could get a few of the guys, maybe just not the, those top 10 players. You might be able to get a top 20, top 30 player which is still, I mean, there's not a whole lot in it between those guys. There's some pretty talented high schoolers playing over in America. And speaking of the G League, that's where Connor Henry's been playing his trade most recently, and he's now appointed the head coach of the Adelaide 36ers for the next three seasons. Somebody you know pretty well, obviously. He was your assistant coach at the at the Perth Wildcats. He was your head coach for a season. What are your thoughts on him coming back into into, into the league? Yeah, well, you know, it was it was interesting because, um, you know, Connor Henry, his first actual head coaching job was here at the Perth Wildcats. So it was, you know, he was the assistant coach for a number of years and, and did a great job and came in here for that year. And um, unfortunately, didn't we didn't get the results that we probably were looking for. I think the team didn't have the balance. Mm. Um, but I know, you know, he's had a lot of success since he's left the Wildcats and, and coach of the year over there in the G League and uh, been with some NBA teams. So I'm excited to kind of see his progression as a coach. And, uh, you know, having those ties over there in the USA, uh, I expect him to be able to find some some pretty uh, impressive imports as well to to top off the, the local talent that Adelaide have. Yeah, he was always great to me as well. I always got along great with him and, I'm excited to have him back in the league. He was somebody who it was disappointing that he was lost to Australian basketball after that. After that, I guess now famous playoff loss to to the Townsville Crocs that that you had with John Rillian and Corey Williams going nuts. So it was, it was always disappointing that that was how his one season in Perth ended, and then he was assistant coach at Sydney for for a little bit. But yeah, it was disappointing that he was lost to to Australia because he he offered a lot as a former NBA player, and yeah, you'd think he's come back an even better coach now. So some stability is what the 36ers need, and hopefully he can give them that. Um, but that was something that Ricky Grace gave the Perth Wildcats in in spades, Sean. So now let's give all of our listeners a bit of a treat and have a chat to, to the amazing one. Grace arrived in Perth in 1990, playing 482 games for the Wildcats. He was a four-time championship player, a six-time club MVP, and best player in the final series twice. For me, it was just a two-year holiday. That was my plan, and go back and play in the NBA. But we won championships those two years, and I fell in love with the city, and the city seemed to like me. So, as they say, the rest was history. to do things that other people couldn't do. When he jumped on one side of the basket, decided to come underneath and dunk it on the other. Mike had the biggest heart that I've ever seen. Fisher was tough and he talked trash at the same time. I think the Perth Wildcats as a club is simply the best club in Australia, ever. Okay, but back here on Hoop Sevens Basketball Hustle, and a, a great honor for us, Sean, to be joined by by Ricky Grace, the amazing one. Ricky, um, challenging time for us all at the moment, given what we're dealing with with coronavirus around around the whole world. But how is it how is it affecting you at the moment? Uh, yeah, I'm working from home. Still have a job, thank God. Uh, uh, yeah, definitely doing a transition. Uh, you know, something I wouldn't have even dreamed of. You know. Couldn't have imagined, but no, I'm safe and healthy and can't complain. 
a great honor for me, obviously. Between between the two of you, you're two of two of the best best breath Wildcats players of all time. Twelve club MVPs between you. It's a it's an amazing thing for me to be able to sit here and talk to talk to the pair of you. Um, but Ricky, when when you think of Sean Redditch, he came in straight after you, and he talked about about how his first Wildcats game was straight after your testimonial game, straight after you had retired. What do you think of Sean Redditch when you think of of his career that he was able to put together? Ah, he's um, ah, it, it words are hard to describe when you talk about the great ones, you know. So, but Sean, Sean's definitely one of the great ones. Uh, you know, just the way he came back from that hip surgery was the biggest thing for me. It was just like, wow, this, you know, he's already you know top of the top, but you know, to be top of the top of the top that could come back from that was amazing and. For me to know the discipline, the dedication, the hard work, the doubt, the the tears and everything that he must have gone through during that time and to come back the way he did, you know, just gives me goosebumps as an athlete because I know what it takes. Well, I haven't even had to go through that, but I can only imagine what it would take to do it. So uh, just an amazing uh, competitor. He kept that streak going when I was out, you know, he was 16 playoff seasons in a row and he kept that streak going and, and uh, kept championships going. So uh, just an amazing person, you know, even better, better person off the court as well. So uh, no, just a great, great guy. And it's nice to be here chatting with Sean as well. I appreciate those uh, kind words, Ricky. It was, uh, you know, what you were able to accomplish when, when you came over here. I think, you know, I think we, we both have an appreciation for, for WA and, and, and how much we, we've loved it since, uh, since we arrived and, and stayed here. I uh, just wanted to give, can you give us our listeners an update on what you've been up to since you retired from the Wildcats? Obviously, um, you know, we, we see that your work you're doing in the community, but just to give our listeners a kind of a, uh, I guess a quick glimpse on, on what you've done since, since you left the, the Wildcats. Yeah. Well, even when I was playing with the Wildcats, I used to do a lot of work in the Aboriginal community. I didn't talk much about it, but at the end of every season, I used to give two weeks of my time. I called it my mission work. I would give two weeks of my time out to the remote communities. I'd go up. This is why I was playing with the Wildcats. I'd go out to uh, Northern Territory up in uh, Hermansburg and uh, up past and through Uluru um, and really enjoyed the work. I felt the connection with the Aboriginal people, um, you know, where, you know, instantly um, I could uh, see parts of their culture. They allowed me to see parts of their culture that, you know, a lot of people aren't privy to. So I just felt an instant connection with the culture, continued to do it. And then uh, when I retired, I was approached by some elders here in Perth uh, about starting the program for Aboriginal girls uh, because of the lack of support that they were getting. So I thought I'd use my profile for good, and I've been lobbying for, I guess, support for Aboriginal girls because, uh, you know, they remind me of me, a lot of these girls that are in high school where, you know, if just given an opportunity, well, then, you know, you'll succeed. So last 16 years, I've just been lobbying for support for Aboriginal girls, uh, so that they can get the same support that the boys were getting. And uh, we're doing a really good job with that. You know, we got 3,000 girls in the program now across 43 schools. Uh, we got 150 staff, 75% of our staff are Aboriginal women from those communities, you know, which takes about uh, 70, uh, 70% of all of our funds go towards the staff to the Aboriginal women in those communities. So I'm really proud of, um, you know, what... I've been able to achieve and what the 149 other people in the organization are achieved. Well, it's fantastic to, to hear the impact, you know, that you had not only here um, while you're playing, but sounds like even a bigger impact uh, after your days. Is there a point in your career? I know there, you know, there was a point where I always thought I was going back to the U.S. to live. You know, that was kind of home and everything. But w- what point in your career did you kind of look and say, you know what? I think I'm going to stay here and make, and make W.A. my home permanently. Probably about the third day I was in Perth, huh? <laughs> so, um, no, I loved it from the beginning. Um, I had just come off being cut 
uh, in the NBA for uh, probably the third time. This was a expansion Minnesota Timberwolves team. So I had been drafted, you know, then I'd gone back, tried out again, tried out again. So it was my third time getting cut in the NBA. So when I came here, I sort of knew that um, I had given up on that dream. So when I came here and I saw um, the potential uh, of the team, uh, of the city, uh, and uh, the potential that I could do on the court and off the court, well, I knew I wanted Perth to be my home. Yeah, I, I, uh, you know, I probably wasn't on day three, but uh, it was it was quickly uh, when you can walk down to the beach in a couple minutes and uh, you don't have to wear a, uh, you know, scrape snow and ice off your windscreen just to be able to drive. I think uh, you know, Perth had me, had me sold. Um, you know, there was in the news this week, it's, it's talked about the salary cuts to the NBL due to the coronavirus um, and the loss of potentially some stars and none bigger than Bryce Cotton. You've come out and said the Wildcats need to do um, everything possible to try and uh, keep them here. Can you elaborate a little bit on that and, and kind of what you uh, what you meant by that? I mean, you know, I'm, you know, Bryce is his man and the Wildcats are, you know, going to do what's best for the Wildcats. But, you know, I mean, thank you for valuing my opinion, you know, first and foremost. But, um, no, you know, I mean, it's, it's common sense, Sean. The Wildcats need to do everything they can to keep him. You know, I mean, this guy is, uh, you know, once in a lifetime type of thing, you know, uh, when it comes to imports. So, you know, um, I just think they should do everything they can to keep him, and I'm sure they will. So um, I don't think I'm saying anything, you know, just just, uh, just that that's, you know, so marvelous. Uh, you know, um, I don't know what the what the league is set up like. I don't know what the salaries are set up like. I don't know what you can make on the court or off the court. But, you know, I know, uh, you know, there's a lot of, West Australians, uh, you know, business and a lot of joy that the, uh, this man has brought to Perth and to WA. And, you know, when you, when you leave, uh, Perth, uh, uh, uh arena, uh, a winner, as much as this man has, he has an impact on the community. I can remember how happy I was as a kid when the Cowboys won. The economy of Dallas goes up when the Cowboys win. So, um, I just think Perth and the city of Perth and, 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 you know, just the joy that he's brought to this city and to this state. I just think, you know, we should, we should be, be able to figure out a way to keep it. Uh, I completely agree with you. I think, uh, you know, I was fortunate to have a, a season with Bryce and, uh, you know, I never thought anyone would get to, uh, to be in the same conversation as saying the greatest wildcat of all time. I still, you know, I still hold you in that, uh, in that category, Ricky, but, uh, you know, I think it would be a shame to, uh, to, to lose Bryce at this point. And, you know, I just kind of feel like he's, he's done that NBA route. He's had, you know, some things over in Europe, you know, I think some, the, the bomb scare that he was there. So, I mean, you, you know, his preference is to stay here in Perth. And, uh, and I think you're right. I think they need to try and do everything they can because as, as you know, there's not a lot of Bryce Cottons out there. They're going to be able to come in and have an impact, uh, on a team and, and in, a, in this uh, community like, like he can. So I think, uh, you know, I think all the, uh, Red Army will be holding their breath waiting, uh, to see if they can, they can resign him. No, I think it's uh, it, it's going to be interesting how that how that all plays out. Especially the other the other interesting one is going to be Damian Martin. Can can he get back and play again and go for a three peat? That would be uh, pretty remarkable considering uh, the injuries he's had uh, over his career. Uh, yeah, I mean, if anybody can do it, Damian can. Um, uh, he's a vet, and uh, you know, Trevor's. Trevor does not get enough credit either, but, you know, Trevor uh, masterly uh, manages these guys, you know, the the Jesse Wagstaff of the, of the of, you know, you don't see much of Jesse, you know, during the, during the regular season. But then as soon as the playoffs come, there he goes, you know. Trevor manages those guys so well throughout the season and, you know, you know, the same, same he did with you later in your career, you know. I mean, you might have got an extra year because you were coming off the bench and, Maybe wanting more minutes, but I think Trevor's a master at uh, managing those veterans to where they're playing their best at the right time of year. So 
if anybody can, you know, squeeze something out, well, I think Trevor and Damo could. Yeah, we're talking, uh, I think you make a great point. I think Trevor Gleason fought five championships now since he's arrived in Perth, uh, second to, to no one, um, in that category. So it's, uh, it, it's been pretty impressive, uh, his record so far. You're talking a little bit like a, a coach there. I know that you were, um, you know, with the SBL, you were going to be involved with, with Mandra. It sounded like, uh, doing some, some coaching. Are you looking forward to, to getting back into, uh, I guess being on the sideline again? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, um, I quit, you know, basketball cold turkey. So, you know, I was 38. I'm going on 54 now. And, and, you know, uh, Sometimes I still wake up thinking I got a game, you know, I mean, because it's that deeply entrenched somewhere in my psyche. But I quit cold turkey. So I was looking forward to getting back into it. My son, Jeremy, uh, just finished four years over in America. And he was going to come back and play with the manager magic. So, um, yeah, I was going to come join forces with Aaron Traher down there uh, at the magic and so it was disappointing when all of this, uh, you know, happened because I was looking forward to getting back into basketball, which is something that I that I love and miss. I'm glad you brought brought that up, Ricky. I wanted to ask you about that because it was it was such an exciting thing to think about having you back involved in in basketball at at SBL level. And you have a look; you were going to team up with with Aaron Traher down in, there in Mandra. We were going to have Mark Worthington coaching at the at the Slammers. We've got. We've got some amazing people. Mike Ellis still involved. Stephen Black still in, still involved. You have a look right across the board, and you know we've still got Cody Ellis, we've still got Sean, we've still got Greg Hire as players as well as the coaches. Um, the 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 people that you were going to be dealing with on a day to day basis in terms of playing against and and dealing with, and hopefully we still end up having a season of some sort in the SBL this year. It was remarkable to to see the quality of people that you were going to be to be coming coming across. Well, um, and still will be coming across. So, you know, it's, 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 it's exciting. I mean, you know, it was a, we, we hit a big pause button, but I'm looking forward to, you know, getting back involved and, you know, just hearing all the names that you just mentioned. I'm, I'm looking forward to bumping into guys like that on a week to week basis. And I hope, you know, maybe, you know, all of us can somehow get together, work together for the, for the betterment of basketball in the SBL. I mean, yeah. I'm looking forward to not only working with manager SBL team, but with the development of their, you know, under 21s, under 18, 16, 14, getting involved in the grassroots. And I think if, if all of us, all those names you mentioned would be able to work together and, you know, those are some of the best minds that are still in WA basketball. Well, I think there's a lot of improvement that, that if we put our minds together, we could actually, you know, benefit together, but also, uh, help the game of basketball. Cause I think if you look at the development of the game of basketball here in versus here in WA versus Victoria, New South Wales and other states, you know, I think, uh, just that. You know, we, we, we should make sure we get involved in our basketball clubs and, uh, to the grassroots and just see what we can do to, to, I guess, support basketball at a deeper level. Kind of like what Sean's doing. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if, if, if we all sort of had a strategy like that where, you know, uh, together, you know, we work together for the benefit of it with the basketball clubs, I just think there's something there where we all can work together. Tell me a bit about your son, Jeremy. I saw him play play a handful of games last season once he did come back and, and, and go down to Mandarin. And to be honest, he looked like the sort of player that was good enough to be an import at, at a state basket, basketball level. And it's just lucky that he's a he's able to play as a naturalised player. And I think it's only a matter of time before he would earn an NBL contract. And obviously he did spend some time over with Joey Wright at the Adelaide 36ers. How excited are you to see him now embarking on his professional basketball career? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for him. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm proud of him for uh, what he's been able to achieve. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, looking forward to seeing how that goes. Um, it's disappointing. He was coming off a great, you know, six months with Joey in Adelaide, and he was really firing and ready to go, you know. So he lost a bit of that momentum, but hopefully he's over in the States, you know, doing – doing what he got to do so he can hit the ground running here. So 
I'm excited for him, you know, the opportunity he has in front of. If the SBL season does restart, do you expect him to be back here to play? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He'll be here. Uh, he was he was about to fly out when this whole thing sort mm. of uh, blew up. And uh, because if you can remember, you know, a lot of the imports were here. Yeah. And um, it was about two weeks before the season started. So he was just about to arrive. But, you know, I mean, once, once we started talking about the shutdown, well, we just figured it'd be better for him to chill there with family and friends and be here. And, you know, I didn't want to have to deal with him every day. <laughs> <laughs> is the dream for you to see him play for the Wildcats one day? Is that a dream? Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, I'm not going to lie. But, you know, I mean, I have bigger dreams for him just to be a positive citizen and a, and a good young man. And, uh, you know, but if I if I saw him put a Wildcat uniform on or, you know, if I didn't in the back of my mind, you know, hope that that happened one day, I'd be lying. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit up there and say that. But, that's not going to, you know, make or break, you know, how proud I am of him. And I am, and, and I will be whether he, you know, whether that happens or not. Well, the important question is uh, who wins the one-on-one games these days, <laughs> Ricky? That's an easy question. Oh, man, I mean, I don't know. Um, last time I remember running, I lost to a 12-year-old girl. So, um, <laughs> I'm, 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 you know, no. No, no. Uh, that's an easy <laughs> question, Sean. You still play, but man, I was, I was, I was 38 years old when I quit, and my knee just was, you know. I mean, my knee is that bad. I probably, you know, I can't run 500 meters, you know, because my knee is that bad. So I'm, I'm, I'm done, bro. I gave my right knee to the Wildcat. <laughs> <laughs> well they, they put it up there in the rafters you know my son's nine so uh we get out there on the driveway at the moment and play so i was just curious at what point uh maybe he uh over overtook you in that regard mm-hmm. i'm hoping to hold off for a few more years yeah no no when i retired he was still a little boy and uh i quit cold turkey so you know we never sort of had that crossover battle that you might have. And I know um, uh, I've heard a few of my other boys talk about that. So just be ready to swallow your pride, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I can hold on to it for a few more years. You've you mentioned that a couple times. How was that transition from, you know, playing? You know, you were still a starter for the Wildcats and, and pretty impactful um, on that team and then going from, you know, obviously no basketball at all. How was that transition for you? Cause I know it's different for every, everyone. It's a, it's a diff- difficult transition for everyone, but I know that it's, uh, you know, it affects everyone in different ways as well. Yeah. For me, um, I need to be, uh, passionate about something. And, and for me, it was basketball for, you know, up until I was 38 and then, when I started uh, this program for Aboriginal Girls and I saw um, the impact uh, that uh, it was having and I saw the inequity of it and, um, you know, I'm, I'm raised by a single mom. Um, I got three daughters and I was, and I was looking at a school that um, was supporting the program for boys, but it had nothing for girls. And, you know, in America, they got proper. 48 uh, title nine where or title nine where if you fund one sex you got to fund the other so it this this is something that i've been passionate about for the last 16 years you know just equal rights and equal education and and uh you know this program helped that transition easy for me sean because i've been just as passionate and that's why i was able to quit cold turkey because i've been just as passionate about this work as I as I was and disciplined about it as I was with the Wildcats. So, you know, um, I went through a bit personally uh, last year where I felt my character was uh, questioned, and that's when I, you know, felt a bit lonely, and that's when I said, you know what, I missed basketball. And that's when I said that I was going to get back into it because I had, you know, been sort of put that on hold for so long, and then I said, you know what, you know, that's when I went back to it. And so um, I'm looking forward to getting back into it. And, uh, but no, as long as I got something I'm passionate about, as long as I got something I can focus on, 
So then, you know, that helped my transition uh, to quit cold turkey. I'm back. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it, that's it's important. That's something that I've found out is you can, you know, you throw everything out of something. You you've had these goals and um, for your entire life, and then all of a sudden you don't have those. And uh, if you can find new goals, new passion, it really does uh, help. I think there's always going to be a void left there with basketball, but if you can throw kind of fill that with uh, something else that uh, you're passionate about, really helps to make that uh, transition a little bit easier um, because it is it's such a unique lifestyle being being a professional athlete that's for sure i miss the locker room you know i mean just you know being around 10 guys you know just the way you know you got to bond the way you got to trust each other the way you got to push each other the way you got to you know challenge each other and the you know the ups and the downs that you go through and you become a real family you know with those guys and you almost become brothers and then it's like now all of a sudden you know you're divorced from your from your family, you know, and that way. So how did you find that part? Yeah, that's the hardest part because you're, you're in on that daily. You just have that built in daily, um, bond and, and kind of, uh, friendship built into your, when your daily schedule. And, uh, and then you've got to try and, uh, you know, manufacture that a little bit once you're, once you're finished and, and trying to figure out that uh that new network that you have and um but I, I, you're right i don't think anything can replace the, the bond that you have um with uh with with the team and and you you hear that from a lot of the players they just miss that uh that mateship that you get uh being on a team and, and going uh you know a common goal and just the trials and tribulations that they go along with it did you play basketball chris not at any level i would like to like to Mentioned, but I mean, I've been around professional athletes now my whole adult life, and it, it's it's a fascinating discussion to hear you guys talk about because I, I don't think you're alone, Ricky. The thing that guys do miss the most is the is the the camaraderie and the feeling of mateship, and all of a sudden you go to war every single day of your life with these guys, and all of a sudden, how do you replace that when you aren't a professional athlete anymore? And I spoke to Mark Worthington about it, especially, and he's the one that stands out where. He's still struggling now, even though he's trying to be a coach. How do you replace that adrenaline rush in your life? And it can lead to some really tough times. And and I guess like you mentioned with some of the stuff you went through last year with some of the things that you were questioned about, I guess you get drawn back to basketball because that's where maybe you feel the most accepted and you feel the most loved. When, and, and maybe that's what draws you back to basketball in the end as well. Mm. Yeah, it's a, um, it's a, it's an interesting, uh, thing. And we, we, yeah, we've talked to a few athletes about, uh, having that, that life after, life after sport. And, uh, you know, I think we all, you're going to end up in, in that scenario at some point. So it's, um, it, it's good to hear, I guess, you know, something that you kind of went through. And, um, you know, I think that you, uh, you probably adjusted probably better, better than most. So it's, um, I think, but I think you're always going to miss basketball. That's the biggest thing is something that's been a part of your life since you probably picked up the ball your, your first time. And, um, you know, even during this coronavirus and, you know, every day my son wakes up wanting to put on a basketball uniform, go play somewhere because, uh, he just misses the sport and you just, uh, you see how much it means to, uh, to kids and, and that community sport. And I think, you know, I think we're all hoping for, uh, sports to get back on TV and our lot, uh, Sooner rather than later, that's for sure. Hey, Sean, did you watch that? Have you watched that Netflix Jordan yet? I did. I watched the first episode last night, and uh, it really had me, uh, really had me wanting to uh, get out on the court again. Uh, you know, that was, you know, the the Bulls were that was my team. I grew up, you know, just just loving Michael Jordan, and uh, and it, it, the thing that was fascinating for me in that was just seeing Jordan when he was so young. You don't see all those clips from, from when he was in high school and college days. And so it was fun for me because a lot of that stuff I hadn't seen before. So um, it was, uh, you know, I only watched the first one. I want to watch the second one tonight. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm about that music, you know. Dun, 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 dun. You know, when it's, you know, when it's game time. When he, when they run out and, and they, the Bulls, cause even, um, where I grew up, Nebraska Huskers, they use that same music when they run yeah. out on the, uh, but I think the Bulls started that. And, yeah. um, to, to me, and, and, you know, we go back and we talk about, you know, say 
yourself, Ricky, we talk about Bryce Cotton. And that's one of the things I think is so unique about basketball is, and then you look at a guy like Michael Jordan and what he did for the city. You know, the, the soccer team was having a bigger indoor soccer team was ha- more of a draw card in, in Chicago than the Bulls were before Michael Jordan got there. And it all changed pretty quickly. So, you know, you talk about guys and that's where, you know, I'm, you, you hope, I think with, with basketball, one player can make a difference. When, when the Wildcats brought in Ricky Grace, they started to win. So, um, you know, you hope that, uh, you hope that for the Wildcats, they can keep a guy like Bryce Cotton because he is, uh, he's pretty, pretty unique. And, you know, and you saw the power of what Jordan can do to a city and, and a town as well. And Nick Way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, uh, it's, uh, it, yeah, it's, uh, I, I'm excited to see how it all plays out because I think, uh, you know, I think there's going to be a dark side to Jordan, but I think that's also, uh, you know, a method to his to his madness. Did you ever have a chance to play against Jordan or no uh, interaction with basketball? No, but a lot of Wildcat fans would remember my first game when I left the Wildcats. Um, I don't know if you remember this, Sean, but I left the Wildcats to go play with Atlanta uh, uh, in 93. Uh, that's the year we lost in the grand final. I was grand final MVP, you know. I mean, the only player to ever, I guess, win grand final MVP on the losing team. So I was balling. And uh, after that, you know, 72 hours later, I was in Chicago Stadium uh, suited up with the Atlanta Hawks. So uh, that was the year Jordan had retired and went, went to play baseball. Oh. <laughs> well, that, and that's the thing you don't talk about. If Jordan had kept going, they could have won eight straight titles. Yep, easy, easy. Maybe nine because the year he didn't, the year he came back, they didn't win that title the first year. Yeah, he, uh, they fell to uh, Shaquille O'Neal and Orlando Magic, I remember. Yeah, um, so eight or nine, I don't know. Yes, it's just amazing. Well, if you've got if you've got fifteen million dollars laying around, Ricky Michael Jordan's home in Chicago is up for sale. I just saw, so it's got a full basketball court, uh, fifty eight thousand square feet. So I uh, just saw that come online. Um, okay. So, so, so if you're interested, yeah, yeah, I'll think about it. And thank you, <laughs> thank you for letting me know. So, who's better? Um, you know, Mike's the best. Uh, I don't even want to talk about it. Who's better, uh, LeBron or Kobe? So do you think they're in the mix for, for the, the second best ever? Is that what we're talking about? No, I'm, I'm just asking who's better, LeBron or Kobe? Sean? Early in, in LeBron's career, I would have said Kobe, but I'm going to go with LeBron now. Um, just, just on the fact of what he's been able to, you know, you look at the teams that he goes to, and then when he leaves them, obviously they lose a, a few of talented players around him, but they're nowhere near competing for a championship. So I'm going to go with with LeBron and what he was been able to uh, to do over there. But it's uh, it is it, you know it's not a cut and dry dry one. I don't think great examples though. You guys good examples. Um, I would have said the same, and I can't come up with a better example than what you just came up with. No, I was just wondering, do you think we look at Kobe differently now that he's not with us anymore? No. No? No. no. It, do, it doesn't it, change it, anything. It great in my appreciation because I didn't realize he was such a humanitarian that he sure. was. I, I, I had the impression that he was a little bit selfish, but yeah. if anything, through his death, you know, uh, it heightened my appreciation for all the things that he was doing that he wasn't quite publicly getting credit for doing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree with that. I don't think, um, don't think, uh, it changes anything for me. You'll be, and I think we probably come from di- a different generation, but I always ask this question at my basketball camps, Ricky, who's the greatest LeBron or Michael? And, uh, a lot of the younger coaches and the players, uh, kids of the camps think LeBron. So uh, I'm hoping they'll watch this documentary uh, about <laughs> Michael. It'll just remind them uh, why Michael's the greatest. Exactly. They will. They will. And there's some people just, even though you're right, they're just not going to say you're right. You got some of them. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I've got another question to throw at you, Ricky. I think both Sean and I agree. We've talked about this a fair bit, that you're still – number one on all-time list of the Perth Wildcats. Um, who's number two? Because to me, 
you got Sean Reddish, Jamie Martin, Bryce Codden, Andrew Vlahov, James Crawford, all have a really strong case to make for number two. Who who would you take? Man, I mean, I'm not even I, I'm not even going to accept you putting me in one. You know, it's it's it's, it's too hard, man. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting caught up in. I'm not, you know. Um, people ask me who's the top three Wildcats of all time. I'm loyal. You know, I'm not going to put me in it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say James Crawford. I'm going to say Andrew Roth. I'm going to say Mike Gallagher. Yep. I'm loyal. But, uh, yeah, you know, whoever, you can only beat who's in front of you. You know, it's so hard to say. And when it's, you know, I'll, I'll have this debate to the cows come home on anybody other than me. Mm-hmm. So I'll let other people debate that. So when it involves me, I'm staying out of it. I like the conversation. I love the conversation. I appreciate the conversation. So, you know, as long as, you know, and, and, uh, that's what Bryce has done to me. He's helped me because, you know, if he wasn't here, people wouldn't be talking about this. So, um, you know, I'm, 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 all those guys are great. You know, all those guys deserve to be up, you know, uh, uh, banners hanging up, you know, as Wildcat great. So, you know, let's just, I, I'm just enjoying the debate. And that's, well, yeah. who's the next guy you'd like to see have their number retired to join you up in, in the rafters? Who do you think is the next one to, to go up? Uh, I don't know. I mean, who retired, you know, the longest out of those names? I mean, whoever's been retired the longest? Is that you, Sean? I don't well, know. I, I think we're biased. I think Sean, I think Sean deserves to be the next one. Yeah, so whoever's been retired the longest out of those names. Yeah. I mean, Sean definitely should be up there, but I don't know if there's anybody else, you know, that has been retired longer than Sean. I'm, I'm, I don't know. Uh, you thing, guys may know better than me. The thing that is, is interesting, because if you think about the other teams, a lot of the other teams in the NBL, and some of them are, are new, but there are so many good players that have come through the Wildcats. I mean, you throw, you know, you could throw 10 names out and everyone would have a case for, um, you know, why they should be in this position or that position. I think that's, uh, I think it shows the culture and, and the caliber of players that the Wildcats have been able to attract. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's a healthy debate, but it's, um, it's, you know, it's something where I think, uh, you know, for the, the fans over here in WA, they've been uh, blessed to be able to watch some uh, some great players over the years. Um, Cal Bruton should be up there, though. Yeah, that's always been a fascinating discussion. Um, I think a lot of people agree with you. Why do you think he's not? Uh, because he, you know, I mean, Cal uh, probably left on this is not the best circumstances, and, you know, I'm... I don't know why he's not up there. Uh, he didn't leave under the best of circumstances, so maybe, maybe that's it. I've, I've never been asked my opinion on it, but I just threw it out there this time. You know, since we were talking about you know people that should be up there, so no, his name comes uh, up a lot in this you know, discussion. And, and you're, you know, and you're talking about contributions that people made. So you know, I just, I just think uh, if you, if you look at what he did for this club compared to other names up there, you know, and names that we're considering, well, then he should be uh, definitely in that conversation and up there too. Well, if you talk about people that put the Perth Rockets on the map, he, he was as instrumental in the late '80s as anybody. Yeah, well, he was the first signee, and then uh, after after he signed, then he brought over, uh, well, definitely brought over James, Tiny, and uh, uh, a couple other pieces as well. Uh, maybe guys like, I don't know, with Steve Davis, or there's a couple other sort of parts that he brought over as well. So he was the architect of that. You talked about how... Well, no. how sorry, Sean, just quickly. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, yeah, you talked about how close of a bond you had with that playing group, Ricky, and you have a look at the guys, you know, you, you talk about James Crawford, Andrew Vlahov, Scott Fisher, Mike Ellis, I mean, Tiny Pinder, the list goes on and on about, you know, and then later on Paul Rogers and, and these type of guys. So it was remarkable players that you played with. Have you been able to keep in touch with most of them? Do you still have a close bond 20 years on or 15 years on from your playing career or have you drifted apart? I wouldn't say we, you know, drifted apart. It was, you know, when I retired, you know, it, it, it was, it, that was it. Yeah. Or when they retired, you know, that was it. So, uh, it was, it was a brotherhood that we had when we came together. It was a brotherhood, but 
because we were around each other so much uh, uh, off the court, we really didn't, you know, hang like that. And mm. um, so, um, you know, when I when I'm fortunate enough to see those guys or bump into those guys, well, we just take right up where we left off. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same with my brother in America, my blood brother. You know, we don't we don't talk, we don't text. I haven't seen him in six months, and we probably talk twice. You know, but when I see him, we just pick up where we left off. Yeah. You know, so. That's sort of how I do, you know, with with my brothers that I play with the Rockets. No, it's uh, you know, I appreciate uh, you know, this has been fascinating for me. I don't think we get a, a chance to sit down and, and have the conversations like this. And uh, no, I appreciate your your time today, Ricky. It was uh, it was a pretty special thing for both of us, Chris, to uh, to be able to sit down and talk to you and get your thoughts on some of the things happening in the world and in the past, and and hopefully, uh, you know, bright future for for everyone involved. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. All the best. Thanks, Ricky. Thanks, Ricky.